Hello and welcome to Gatsby Fridays, a show about getting the best out of a creative life from two creative directors working around the world and based in New York City. I'm your host, Sarah Semi. And I'm Alex Chamilio. Today we'll be talking about visual activism. We'll talk about what visual activism means, the power of the visual message, and what we want to see in the world. And at the end of each episode, we make a signature cocktail to toast. Cheers to you. So hang with us as we discuss visual activism. I'm your host, Alex. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is Gatsby, Gatsby Fridays. Sarah, before we get deep into our topic, let's do a check-in. How are you and what are you wearing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm feeling good about how much progress we made today. Um, I'm wearing a summer dress, animal print, very, very Flintstones. Ironically, <laughs> it's from Abercrombie at age 40. I started dressing from the teenage stores again. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Wrong. It's perfect for the summer. It's easy breezy and it's cute. I love it. It's good. It's appropriate. How are you doing and what are you wearing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm th- I'm I'm trying to do a check-in in, in myself and I don't know if I should say this, but I think I am over summer. No, no, wait, 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 wait. I am over this summer. This summer, yes. This summer has just been this whole year. But ban- bananas, it's been so hot. I don't know what to wear. I agree with you. I am wearing, okay, so don't roll your eyes, and I don't want people to get at me because of this, but I am wearing a Supreme t-shirt, and the reason why I am wearing (laughs) this is because it has uh, graphics of M.C. Escher on the front and on the back, and the reason why I love this t-shirt is because I remember, like every college student, listening to Alice in Chains in their dorm room. (laughs) I had a poster of M.C. Escher's artwork on my wall, which was very trippy. And when I finally saw this T-shirt, which was not that I was looking for T-shirts specifically of M.C. Escher, but this one came up, and I said, I totally need to get that. And so that's so why we're doing I have teenage this fashions today. It's all teenage fashion. Like Four what adults. am I? What am I? A sixteen-year-old? I'm wearing <laughs> blue jeans and white Jor- Deadstock Jordans. Yeah. That sounds good. Sarah. Let's start by defining what we mean when we say visual activism. For me, is the visual representation of what we want to put out there, what we believe in, and what our causes that we want to fight for are in a visual medium. For me, I haven't been very active in terms of putting out protest art, uh, activist Me- art, Neither have I. Um, I think we're doing the podcast because we want we want to participate in the discussion, which is not exactly visual. Yes. <laughs> but the visual aspect of it is, you know, we we have our cover art for each episode, and we pay attention to what our images reflect in terms of the spirit of the content of that episode. So this this episode's art is. We are visual artists. Like my, I, I, everybody's, everybody has to do something. I definitely believe in that. But you do what you can with within your own means. You do yes. what you do with your own means, with your own skill set. Um, so for us, we are a visual artist. Um, so what we do manifests itself as either social media posts or 
physical art in the real world that's what that's what i mean by visual activism i feel like i would want to be more of a visual activist and the reason why i say that is really the times in which we live in now we are living in a time where there's a lot of upheaval in the world there's a lot of social reckoning going on there's a pandemic going on and people feel the need to start speaking out about those things obviously um how does it manifest itself in a visual medium there's a lot of protest art that is going on uh in and around our city in and around the world it's amazing it's truly amazing what we are capable of creating when we have a cause to create for her yeah i mean i wanted to i felt strongly about creating making this episode on on the subject of visual activism because we are visual creators and also uh, kind of got triggered by the black and white selfie trends um, two weeks ago that started in Turkey. Um, I'm Turkish, so that, that was kind of close to home for me. And the part was I got called by a lot of friends here for the challenge, but by then the message had gotten lost. It, there's a lot of criticism about how it became a beauty shot the why is like it was about women for women it wasn't that and if you start reading about it online there's an article about on vox.com about the history of and you know it's a very short history of like you know a couple of years of what the black and white image represents and it started with uh, as a as a campaign for can- cancer patients to support for them which got criticized back then so the turkish women didn't try to co-opt the black and white image from cancer cause they just that's the beauty of internet is that you can call to action anyone the yes. challenge accepted is that's it applies to any kind of challenge and the the specifically being black and white photos of women was because turkish media has a tradition of publishing the images of people who have been killed in very grainy black and white photos out of respect out of tradition that's how it is that's why women started posting black and white photos of themselves because there was a law at stake that protects women from basically just being murdered <laughs> so when i got child when i received the challenges by the time that i received those challenges i didn't participate because the message had gotten lost and i didn't also take on self to say well this is not the right way to do it because i don't i, I didn't want to i didn't yeah. want to be this like preachy well you know like you lost the message either i just let it play out a little bit and then all of these articles started popping up around the world and a lot of a lot of like uh, online media saying you know the the message got lost which as didn't take that long after the message got lost and it yeah. became this beauty shot you know what women empowerment yeah it is a beauty shot so what i'm not against that part i just realize that we have this really powerful tool in our hands and when we carelessly post so quickly the message gets lost which is why i wanted to have this conversation today to to focus on the context of what you're doing to be mindful about it the scale of the where it reaches every every it's a global community now whatever wherever you live 
you know, some the bomb goes off in Beirut, the entire world goes up in arms starting to help them. And this happens all over the world now. And it's not just about the women's rights in Turkey, but, you know, it started there. Don't, this particular example, the message got lost, which I which happens a lot on the Internet. I feel you're, you touch on a point that, that resonates with me. The message did get lost, and I wondered, is it due to the speed on which information travels because I feel like the black and white selfie thing wasn't around for that long. And all of a sudden, it's everywhere. And it, I feel like the, it came out so quickly, people lost the message because of the speed in which it was, in which it was generated. And you get the challenge request. You, a friend or whoever says, you need to post a selfie for, 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 and, stand by, and stand by women. And then you look at their selfie, and I'm probably you do quick research to just see what's under the, the hashtag, and you see all these glamour shots, and you think to yourself, oh, this is what this must be about. Not reading into the context, not trying to delve into any more research into what this was all about. You go in because you don't want to be called out for not doing it, and then you do it. And then it comes back onto you. <laughs> well, yeah. You know? So it wasn't. This wasn't a Me Too movement thing. This wasn't a women empowerment thing. It originated because there was a lot at stake that were trying to exactly. dismiss in Turkey. But you know what? I'm I'm not against women for women either. No. I'm all for that. No, no one's saying that. And I'm yeah. all for the selfie also. And, you know, if you're gonna put a picture of yourself, it's the visual era. Like you're not gonna put a crappy selfie of yourself. Of course, it's gonna be a glam shot. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you just the speed is the issue. People yes. just automatically. I'm not placing blame on anyone. Oh no, it's not a blame. I, thing. I'm not placing blame on anyone for doing what they're doing, and and you know some of the I mean, shots. It's that children's game. You you put a bunch of children in a row, and then you start on one end, and telephone. you whisper in in each other's ears, and by the end yes. of it, the message is completely different. This is exactly what happened here. It's been happening literally from children's games to social media. It's not anybody's fault. It's just we're all always on the go, always trying to be be present online. And the message got lost because we didn't think too hard. I also think the medium of taking a quick shot of yourself is also something that is, is, is related, and this is just me speaking, related to why the message got lost. I think we're talking about visual activism and we're talking about taking time to kind of create art that speaks to more of a, 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 a of a purpose, more of an issue that you want to stand behind. And that takes time. That gives you the time. Being mindful to be gives cre- it time. Cre- to create conscious art. I feel like yeah. and, and with this challenge, the selfie was too quick of a piece of art to make. And it and it lost the message because of that. Yeah, but also you wanted to participate in the busy run of your day, so you didn't really feel like, oh, let me do some research on this. Uh, no, I exactly, exactly. Um, but, so the speed of the of of Instagram quickly doing it, but also, I think our we are just used to being rushed yes. in general in life. The scale of how it how far it reaches always amazes me. I think it was beautiful by the time. See, the thing that I like about this particular example is by the time, like, it happened within 48 hours. The first day, 
it started in Turkey. By the end of the day, it spread globally. It lost the message. By the end of the second day, people had already caught on to the fact that they posted something and it lost the message and they posted explanations or they posted corrections or they posted stories about what the root of the where it came from. So it came full circle. We lost the message for like a day, but it also fixed itself as quickly as it lost it. Oh, that's that's a that's a good point to me. So I it's not like, oh my god, like in a, you know, social media is bad and we're always rushed. Like, yes, we are rushed. I I would like everyone to be more mindful of when we put out messages into the world, like where it goes, what it means. But at the same time, if if it was meant if if it came from a well-meaning place it did autocorrect within as, as soon as it lost it so one book that i wanted to mention is called the uh, universal principles of design by william lidwell and he speaks to the scaling fallacy and what that means is there's a tendency to assume that systems that work in one scale will work at a smaller scale or a larger scale which is not necessarily the case. And that's what I think with the images, with the, in particular the black and white pictures and the criticism between the glamour shots is that you lost the message when the scale was changed. When you uh, create a headshot, you only focus on the features of the face, you focus on the eyes. But when you start adding more of the body, you start losing more of the focus of the, the image. And that probably led into the criticism of what these black and white images were. Yeah, because if you're like doing a shoulder shrug versus if it's just the headshots, it's almost like a passport shot. And again, the 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 reason for that particular style is because that's how people's faces are put into paper out of respect, no color. That's how it's done in in the Turkish newspaper media. The, the purpose of the face is to memorialize that person with respect. It's very different in, 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 in the Turkish culture where that was the trend. That's why the, the black and white challenge started. But what I respond to also is, is this way of memorializing lives lost with artwork, with adding, adding different art elements, taking taking someone's image and making it your artwork because you felt a personal connection to the story it touched you somehow um for me one of the most memorable ones is a couple of years ago there was a young girl that got stabbed on the bart in oakland nia wilson and i will never forget her face now i will never forget her name because i remember he hearing about the story online but also how instagram was populated with beautiful artwork that that was inspired by her imagery they didn't just take photos of her and post it around they started putting decorations around her they did they did illustrations of her with with sun rays coming out or more saint like treatments of of different like graphic elements but someone felt touched by the story enough to take it upon themselves to create beautiful art and put it out into the world so that it could reach someone like me who has never met this person never will meet her family I'm at the other side of the country but for years later I still I remember her face and name and that's a way of connecting personally emotionally and that's a way of activism it doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to change policy in the government it just is creating a message 
to spread the word and create an emotional connection with people. You know, and that's, and that's exactly what we're talking about. And what we're speaking is about that visual message and those faces and remembering those faces. I mean, you walk around a city now or you walk around any city and you start to see these images of George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, um, and there are these beautiful paintings and, and memorials based off of them. What I don't want to happen is, once again, the whole notion of the message and making sure that we remember how and why these people died. You know, yes. I, I could easily walk around a city like New York and look at all the art that's available on the street now and all the protest art and say, this is pretty amazing. But I mustn't lose sight of the fact that these are dead people. Yeah. And these people, their images, yes, should be remembered, but their stories as well should be remembered. And of course, since we're talking about a visual medium, those visual stories are also important. And maybe that is the key that gets someone to, to, to think to themselves consciously, whoa, maybe I should be aware and do something about what's going on or the injustices that are going on in this world because of the strength of this visual. Yeah, evoking emotional reaction exactly. is what the image is for. I could have easily forgotten about Nia Wilson, but the imagery that was created around her story is what made it more memorable for me because someone took the time and the care to craft that message so that her story, her name, would be remembered. And that's a good and that's a good point to make. Someone did take the time to craft that message. And I and once again I, I fall along the side of taking the time to really think about what it is that you want to create and what message that's going to speak once it gets out there. Right now, we're going to take a break and when we get back, we'll talk about what causes we would fight for and what form that would take. Hello and welcome back to Gatsby Fridays. Alex, let's talk about the causes that speak to you and why. Well, since what we're going through now with the with with uh, Black Lives Matter and the death of George Floyd, I think for me, it would it would definitely be a Black Lives Matter and just representing marginalized people, particularly people of color, uh, in general. I think what I want to start doing a little bit more now, we've all been forced to be more conscious. Um, depending on the form that that takes for you, I think because I'm just more of a visual person, I am going to use the mediums that are available to me. And who knows? I mean, maybe I'll make a protest poster. Maybe I'll do a painting. But for right now, we're doing this podcast. And this is the protest form platform that I'm taking to be more aware of what's going on and, and have a voice socially. What about you, Sarah? I wrote this article. My cause was immigration in a creative career. So I put this, together this article that was based on my personal experience of how I got here through school and how I got my first job, what were the challenges that I faced that are unique to me, and my story is defined by immigration and getting sponsored trying to stay here and not so coming together like that ended up being my cause I try to not be that person so so hard but at the end of the day when it comes full circle that's what defines my story 
So I wrote something about it, and I tried to get it out into the world. My initial cause was going to be to bring some of the international students around the city into the studio and have, like, in-person, really close to, like, fireside chats. And then the quarantine happened, so that was out of the question. Instead, I had to put it on Eventbrite, and, you know, life works in mysterious ways. Having that on Eventbrite and having the article published on Working Networking's magazine reached a global audience where the Eventbrite meetings became, my Zoom calls with with people who registered for the event became a global community of people, which was very surprising to me because my my personal story is about U.S. immigration. But I put something out there because it was close to my heart. It was my personal struggle, and I wrote something honest, and I wanted to put out a hopeful message because I needed to hear that for myself. Um, so it brought out people from, from India, from south of Spain, with, with immigration problems through Canada, through Europe, an Indian girl from London, the Spanish girl from Canada. Like, there's all of these people that I would have never communicated. There was the Italian girl that was living in San Francisco. I, it created an, a very more eclectic, but all, all of that started happening because I wrote something and I put I took the time I wanted to hone in the message of a positive outcome instead of bickering and complaining and stomping my feet which I love doing about this immigration thing but it wasn't getting me or anyone else anywhere and then I designed beautiful graphics for this and I started putting it out into the world and I think that personal connection is where the where people resonate and connect with you and isn't that the goal I mean here you are you're you have this you, you have this issue uh, that needed to be highlighted, uh, and you took this approach in this medium, the medium of, of getting it out there on social media, creating artwork, and creating forums uh, to get that message out there. Yes, we have the quarantine, and typically you would want to meet with people and talk to them face-to-face. That was just happenstance. But this is, but this is wonderful. This is, this is the point that you're trying to make. And the this emotional is connection. The emotional connection. The personal call to action. And the message is not muddled because it's you directly getting it out there and yes i took the time and i I did the activism that was my form of activism because this is what i have something to say about and this is what i believe in and the raising awareness on this particular unique niche struggle my form of activism i think was formed by my mom in actually her later age Uh, when she retired she became she was a social worker for the city new york city and she became a housing rights activist. She saw a lot of injustices that were going on in the building that she uh, was living in. And, of course, these were marginalized people of color who don't typically have a voice, uh, some of them undocumented. Uh, but she believed that every human has a right to live fairly and, and live like a human being. And the conditions that they were living under were just not acceptable. She took it upon herself. Of course, she was bilingual so it helped tremendously to to get the message out there and not have the message muddled as well and speak on their behalf and she is such a dynamo she's such a huge hero of mine and she had to do this she had to form this notion of activism because her 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 well-being and the well-being of her friends and her community were at stake and that was her calling because she found herself in the middle of this situation. It's it's her story to tell. And that's her story. I have yet to tell my story. And, and part of that is being formed here as we're doing this 
podcast. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Hello, and welcome back to Gatsby Fridays. Sarah, let's talk about hope and impact. What do you want to see in the visual activism space? As preparation for this episode, I did a lot of reading, more than usual, Mm. um, online to just not follow my own advice, to be mindful about if I'm going to put something out into the world, I don't want to just be shooting my mouth. I want to understand what what the context is and what other people are saying in this and the word that struck out most to me is slacktivism Mm, yes um there's a lot of criticism around this easy like you know in your palm activism like the the fun the ones that you do from the comfort of your couch without really thinking so what comes back to me is what i want to see is mindful messaging consider what you're putting out into the world don't rush it this is not your brunch selfie with your Bellini, which I love doing also, don't get me wrong. Um, but when it's something that, 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 is, that has more depth, more meaning, that you want to see it create change or support a cause, it needs a little bit more thinking. You can't just repost everything that you saw with a gut reaction and like move on to the next post and keep scrolling. Give it a minute of thought. Stop. Think what you're doing. Look up, look it up, like do other things. Just be mindful of what you're putting out there. That's that's what I would like to see. Um, you have a platform. We are, and there's also this trend of like putting things out into the world because with everyone's doing it, and then as soon as the the hot hot moment goes away, the message dissolves. Like I loved seeing Oprah's cover yes. on Brianna Taylor. In the history of her entire magazine, she got so frustrated that for the first time, it doesn't feature Oprah, it features Brianna. Not only that, then she put up those billboards across town where this happened. So, I mean, not we're not all Oprah. We don't have magazines, national no, <laughs> national okay. magazines okay. or the budget to, do. but I think I think that's what I mean. It's not a knee-jerk reaction. It was a very calculated and smart move within her means. My means are different. Think about it. She thought about it. She wanted to leave a strong message. And I think that's what's most inspiring. One of them is like, yeah, like, I love to see that. But also, she looked at what she has at her disposal and made a decision to actually make a forceful impact. It wasn't a gut reaction. She didn't just throw money at it and just say, okay, well, let's do this. It was well calculated, it was well timed, it was well thought out. I think that's what I'm most inspired about. I am inspired by history and uh, revolutionary history and protest history and protest art. And I would say that know your history. Do a little bit of research to know what's out there and what's been done. Uh, I'm particularly inspired by a book that I that I own called Revolution, (laughs) Cuban poster art by Lincoln Cushing. And it's a wonderful book that just highlights all the interesting protest art that was going on during the uh, Fidel Castro administration. Um, Once again, this is just a visual. I am not talking, I'm not making a political statement here. (laughs) It's not a political statement, but one thing, I mean, I I studied 
uh, Latin American film in college. Oh, yeah. So one of the things that was taught in those classes is the Cuban Revolution was very mindful of the power of media. Yes. And, and the visuals. Good. They were very good at it. Filmmaking and artwork. So there's, there's a reason why those posters are so striking because they knew that they had this power in their palms. They, they did it consciously. And also, I gravitated towards uh, revolutionary protest art uh, in America from the fifties, sixties, and seventies. Um, the a lot of a lot of the artists and the poster work mirrors what's going on with the Cuban revolutionary art, just in a different just a different message. Yeah. Um, but still, nonetheless, very beautiful. Do you think we lost the print? Oh man. I mean, like no one's printing posters no one's printing, anymore. Yes, no one's printing posters. But, you know, we're talking about visual activism and posters are a part of it. But you can still do the art. I mean, you're going to do the art in a digital format. One thing that I, I feel yeah. like we miss is we're still in quarantine, so we can't go to museums <laughs> and we can't view the art. We can't view these posters at scale to really see what they look like, to see what the colors were. Uh, I mean, I we... Mean, there's, there's murals around the city, but, you know, you have to walk around the city to see them. That's a good point, though. That, it forces you to go out. I mean, right now, there's all this art throughout New York City, and I'm sure every city around the world. And it's amazing. There's not a lot of people on the street, so it's a good time to go to look at things. <laughs> uh, Soho, in particularly, uh, got, hit, got hit pretty hard uh, with, with the protesting, so there's a lot of stores that are still closed so there's a lot of art up now let's move on to our favorite part of this in every episode our signature cocktail yes tying in what you were saying about the history uh, we made a conscious decision to for these cocktail recipes to not be random for an excuse to be boozing to have a meaningful <laughs> connect i mean not don't get me wrong. I love my cocktails. Yes, there's always we, a time for boozing. We do. We do want to, each each episode's cocktail to tie in to the subject matter. Um, yes. So, and we're not trying to, <laughs> not trying to be mixologists here, but after reflecting back on it and looking up, there is no history of an activist cocktail. And if you look at the history of America, the bars. There, I mean, there was racial segregation for lunch counters, let alone bars. Yes. So the recipes that were created still also carry the weight of that history. Mm, good so point. Yeah. Um, there is, you know, there's Cuba Libre, rum and sugar, brown sugar and water, because, you know, Cuba, poverty, and they have lots of sugar and lots of rum. And that was what uh, was available to them. Um, but it was a react. it was... Free Cuba was created as a reaction. Part of this, again, going back to the Cuban Revolution thing, is is a reaction to the U.S. presence in Cuba. I wanted to create a cocktail that is reflective of the current time. Yes. Um, so we called it the Nouveau Activist. I love it. It's such a good. It's such a cool name. <laughs> so the current activism is different than it was in the '70s and the '50s. So the Nouveau Activists, it, it, it's about creating conversation around with your friends. So it needs to be made by the pitcher. Always. Um, <laughs> uh, coming up with the Nouveau Activists is that now we all have the power of our voice within our palms. So I wanted this recipe to be personal to whatever your fruit preferences are or flavor preferences are. So the base is vodka. It's 
one part vodka, three parts fruit juice, whatever you prefer, tea, fruit juice, flavoring that you like. Um, definitely half part lime because it always, always makes all the drinks better. And top with some sparkling water because a little bit of fizz goes a long way, especially when you're drinking by the pitcher, then hydration comes mm. in handy. But the fruit part is what makes it yours. So you like strawberries, you do some strawberries and add some herbs there. Or you like citrus, so you can go with orange and orange and grapefruit so it, it is flexible the core of it is the base is vodka lime and sparkling water and the core of it is you make it yours and you share with friends so that you can get around get a little tipsy and talk about change in the world talk about revolution what a what a wonderful drink recipe okay and that's it awesome i love it Thank you for hanging with us. For a list of resources mentioned in this week's episode, hop onto our site, GatsbyFridays.com. You can find the recipe for the new activists on our website. For show notes, or if you want to leave comments, suggest show topics, get at us on our site. Or on Instagram, follow us at Gatsby Fridays. Don't forget to rate us, give us five stars, and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're a Spotify person, make sure to follow Gatsby Fridays. It really helps to get in front of more ears and build our audience. Stay with us on our next episode. We'll discuss mental health and creativity. This this is Gatsby Gatsby Fridays. Fridays.